welcome into Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Of course, next to me is Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten, and we have an incredible guest that we have interviewed for you today. His name is Ted Bryant. He's the pastor of Granger Church in Indiana, and we're going to give you more about him in just a moment. But first, we bring in Shane Bishop. Shane, what's going on? Hey, Mike, good to hang out with you today. We've kind of been doing interviews all day with kind of the new format for this season. We're finding all kinds of, I would say, Mike, people more interesting than you and me. Because one of the things we've gotten from our audience, which I think is 13 people, 12 Mm -hmm. if none of them are my mother. But Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the things we've gotten is people are saying, hey, Shane, you and Mike, are not as interesting as we originally had hoped, and you don't really wear well. Maybe what you really need are guests. Yeah, so we listen to our audience, and we're going to have five <laughs> five guests over five. the next several weeks. But to your point, Shane, um, one of our guests, one of our wonderful guests, I won't name which one, came in a little bit late. A little late. And uh, this person basically uh, kind of forgot that. Yeah, they, they were forgot have... they were going to be on the show. Yeah, so it kind of tells you that maybe we're not as big as uh, we no, we're may huge. think. No, we're huge. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but maybe not to them or others. Yeah, but in our own minds. Yeah, in ways that can't be measured empirically or mm. by the number of sponsors or by how many people actually listen to the show. But yeah. we're huge in different ways. Yeah, well, that's why maybe we fit into this culture in one way, because that's how a lot of people think. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And maybe the reason we're not huge is because we're really good. I mean, things that go commercial, right? They're all oh, yeah. sellouts. They're terrible. But the really good stuff like our show, 13 people listen to yeah. it. Like, maybe more than 13. Yeah, I think actually what's going to happen, one day people are going to discover these podcasts in two or 300 years. And they're going to binge. They're going to binge these. We'll uh-huh. probably be some of the most, a couple of the most popular people on the planet. I can see t-shirts. Yeah. I can see um, billboards. And, uh, you know, we'll be like one of those famous artists who like had no success at the time. But when people reflect reflected upon their art, it, it's become kind of a staple for uh, for art culture. Yeah, they, they say that, you know, that dying really has good value impact on art. People can't wait for us. They, and, and so I think, Mike, when we're long gone, yeah. I, I feel like that's when this show's really going to take off. So what we need to do is record as many episodes now. Yes. For future generations, when this is truly relevant, and people will be listening to this, and they'll go, they were prophets. It'll be <laughs> incredible, be. Mike. Yeah, yep. And how many more episodes of the show are we going to do? Well, you know, we've also talked to our uh, audience about that, and most of them feel like we should have stopped about 15 episodes <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> we should have just called it a day back then. But no, yeah. not us, Mike. We... We're really not fickle. Uh, we're committed we to this. Yeah. And despite all evidence of the contrary, we yeah. feel like we're doing something and really it, good. And it just shows we listen to people when it's what we want them to tell us. That's exactly right. When or we feel like sometimes people don't have the sophistication to say what they truly mean. No. So you kind of got to got to no. pick out what it is no, they're really and, trying to and, say. And because uh, we're so, you know, we're highly educated people. Highly educated. Mike's like a doctor. He's like a, a, a doc- doctor Dr. of ministry. Pepper? No, no, he's like a doctor. Now, yeah. if you're wanting to... Call in. His specialty are elbows and knees. So if your elbow's hurting, your knee's hurting, Mike's Mm -hmm. your guy. But the reality is, Mike, you you did get a doctorate. Yeah, I guess so. You know, where I'm from, you don't really talk much about it. And whenever someone calls me doctor, I start to kind of get Has anyone called you doctor? Yeah, but just people were making fun of me. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so has anybody but me called you doctor? No, My, no, no that, that's no. about it. That's just it, huh? Yeah. Well, I, I personally am, am very uh, proud of you because Thank it you. took a lot of time. It did. It took Thank a you lot for your support effort. in all seriousness. Yeah. You really did support Yeah, me but that. I mean, that was something you felt that you wanted to do. It was a good move for you to make. You had a window of opportunity to do it. Yeah. And I really applaud you for, for doing that. And, and for the people that are listening, maybe you've got something you dream about, mm. something that you would like to see. And, and now's really the good time. I mean, just be like Mike and, and just go out there and, and make those things happen. I, I think that's really a, a good thing. And, and Mike, I'm inspired by what you did. I know it took a lot of time, effort, energy, money, all those things, but you know what? You got that done. Nobody can take that away from you now. Nope. No one can take that away from me, and I uh, appreciate it. I'm just sorry I didn't bring more uh, uh, bang from it. So, you know, I don't know how much different I am now. Well, we were all hoping it would make a greater impact on you. I mean, yeah. that's, that, that's that's for sure. You know, we, we kind of thought, you know, somehow your bulb would be a little light, brighter after that. That didn't really happen. Yeah. But I think... The big thing for our audience to remember, this is really about pursuing your dreams, not of any benefit your dreams could actually right. offer you. I'm an American, man. That's what we do. Pursue dreams. You know, our guest today uh, came up with an academic background mm -hmm. and kind of ended up being a, a pastor of all the crazy things. So, uh, Mike, could you tell us a little bit about Ted Bryant? Yeah, we have a great interview with Ted Bryant. He is the senior pastor of Granger Church. But like you said, he started with an academic background. He has one of the most interesting journeys I've ever heard of where God led him through academics and eventually becomes basically goes from being professor to a children's ministry director. And then within a relatively short matter of time becomes a senior pastor of one of the true mega churches in the country. And what we see from his story is a God who's with us, who's faithful, and a God who leads us to the places that he wants to take us. It is our pleasure to welcome Ted Bryant. First of all, Ted, thank you for joining our podcast. I don't want to make you nervous, but it's rumored there are up to 13 people who listen to this podcast on a regular basis. Uh, so we're, we're excited about that. And I know all 13 of them are, some of whom are considering being sponsors, right, Mike? That's exactly right. They're That's, opinionated. They're opinionated 13. They're, they, they are. They're very yeah. supportive. Yeah. 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 And my good. mom and the 12 others uh, are very, very supportive. And probably the other thing we should say is that don't forget us. Once this launches you to a whole new yeah, level, don't yeah. forget right. about Shane and Mike. Yeah, we're career makers. We make other people's <laughs> careers in lieu of having our own careers uh, blossom yeah, in any uh, significant way. First of all, Ted, let everybody know how you and I met because it was kind of a God thing, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get this call from this random guy that's in St. Louis who says, Hey, um, you had run with certain paths with a uh, Grange community church in the past with leading edge and a couple of things. And God was just putting us on your heart as looking to step into some changes and, and stepping out of the, out of the denomination, but not wanting to be just all alone. Wondering if there's something greater that some churches could do together than what we could do on our own. And all that was just, that's all, that's all my vibe. That's all my jam. I was like, yeah, okay. And, and then you say, well, you know, maybe you want to come down and 
and hang out a little bit in Atlanta with some other people. And um, I'm, I'm not always super contemplative. Um, I, I usually make, I can make decisions uh, fairly quickly and that all sounded great. Didn't know who you were or these other guys, but I was like, that sounds great. Now, truth be told, I did pray about it. I did have some discernment, um, but that there was in that first phone call and in the subsequent phone call, there was a very immediate sort of kindred sort of spirit I felt with uh, not only some of the things that you said, some of the things you desired through change, but also the way you were going about it. Kind of, uh, um, I mean, there's a kindness, there's a gentleness, there's a poor in spirit, there's a humility there, but there's also a bravery, courageous, don't really care what other people think, we're doing this thing for God. And, and that combination that sort of meekness is something that uh, I hope I can continue to strive for. So that was really an important connection for me when we first talked. Well, you know, Ted, it was so funny. We had gotten some pastors that were going to get together and God just kind of pinged to me, right? Just, and, and that my thought was, I wonder who's at Granger now. <laughs> I had no idea who was at Granger and God yeah. just kind of laid on my heart, reach out. And I thought, well, this is ridiculous. There's no way whoever's at Granger knows who I am. There's no way. But yeah. I'm at a point in my life, Ted, when God kind of gives me a prompting. I'm just going to go with it. That's good. And so I called your secretary. I, I told her my name. And, uh, and I thought, well, he'll at least Google me and see that I'm not a complete uh, psycho. And you didn't end up Googling me at all, right? You just kind of prayed about it. And the Lord told you I wasn't a complete psycho. <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't say that. <laughs> he just told me to go to Atlanta. He didn't really talk much about you. <laughs> I love it. So so I, I, it was so funny. Now, you were on Facebook back then, right? And so I, I looked you up on Facebook. We had one common friend. And it was a guy that goes to our church that you played high school basketball oh, with yeah. in Tennessee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, man, I don't know this dude from Adam. And yeah. I just threw that invitation out there. And I, and I think you're right, because I felt the same thing when we talked on the phone. I, I thought, you know, here's somebody that I think we have kindred spirits mm. in, in our hunger for God and, and what we hope God will do. And it was a pretty uh, exciting time for me. I, I, I called the other guys. I said, hey, just met Ted. This is who, who he is. But uh, I really, really think he's going to add a lot of value to whatever God wants to do. And Ted, I can tell you this. You've added an unbelievable amount of value to my life and to what eventually became the Foundry Network as well. But uh, just grateful for you and grateful for that, uh, that kind of God thing that brings yeah. people together. Hey, can Incredible. you tell us a little bit? You kind of had a serendipitous journey into ministry. I know it's a long story, but can you kind of give us the Reader's Digest version of how does Ted Bryant become the senior pastor at Granger Community Church? Uh, God decided that that's uh, that that's the plan. I love the fact that I can just barely, barely understand the reference of Reader's Digest. I appreciate that, though. Um, so, yeah, well, you're younger than me, as opposed to Mike here. A lot of people think he's way older than me, and I say, in reality, yeah, we're yeah, about the same age. Thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I 
coming into college, um, I really had a fascination with engineering and I really had a fascination with learning in general. Um, and that took me on quite a long journey because I always excelled academically and I always got a lot of praise for that. And honestly, uh, that, that became a pretty big part of my identity that if I can, I should. And if I'm the best, I definitely should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if I can do it, I should do it. And if I'm the best at it, well, clearly that's what you should be doing. So um, I was being trained up as a biomedical engineer. I actually ended uh, my undergraduate degrees in quantitative biophysics and computer science. And I was heading off to graduate school to a uh, master's and PhD program in biomedical engineering. And God had this interaction with me senior year of undergraduate where he was calling me away from all of that and into teaching, but I didn't want to be a teacher. So there was a problem. Um, and yet it was a very clear time in my life where I knew God was speaking to me. And yet he wasn't giving me all the answers. He was just telling me, hey, you're done with this. You're stepping into something new. I happened to be engaged. It became a, an interesting time for my future in-laws of a few months later that I was changing all the career and all that stuff. And the fact that I played soccer and was in theater and had long hair might have also added to some nervousness. But regardless, uh, I stepped into this sense of obedience Moved to, got married, moved to, to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where my wife went to graduate school and became a licensed mental health counselor there at Marquette University. And I did a bunch of different things. I was a social worker on the inner city, south side Milwaukee. Um, I experienced things that I realized I had a bit of a sheltered. Um, I didn't think it was that sheltered, but I'd never been shot at before. And I got right. shot, at, shot at multiple times. And I saw drug deals and I had to intercept certain things that I'd never had done before. I saw poverty, not just from a mission trip, but I saw poverty of, of families and foster children and alternative schools that I became a teacher at for a year and a half. All the kids have been kicked out of public school and couldn't read in 10th grade. And I just, I experienced a lot of things there about, I believe uh, now I can look back and go, oh man, God is so close to the brokenhearted. I, I have a sense of that from those years. At the same time, in the evenings, I worked um, at one of the hospitals there in Milwaukee, Freighter Hospital, um, in fMRI brain imaging laboratory, doing some research for Professor Marquette. And I did some of my own research. It got published. And that was a bit of a big deal at the time. And that led me into coming down to Notre Dame University uh, for their master's and PhD program in cognitive neuroscience psychology or cognitive psychology. And um, so my wife got done with her graduate school. I transitioned into um, master's and PhD and things are going great. We started having kids. We have a lot of them. We start having them and um, getting done with that whole process of PhD work. And I was set to go off to the Ohio State University and have an unbelievable job opportunity because um, I'd been very, very productive uh, very proficient in research and publishing. And God came knocking again saying, Ted, I, I called you to be a teacher, man. And, and I had done a lot of teaching at Notre Dame as a graduate student and won a bunch of awards and really enjoyed it. But 
uh, I was going to be a researcher because that's where the, because I was really good at it. Right. And if you're really good at something, you should do it. And I really enjoyed it. And so I definitely should do it. And I was one of the best at it. So, oh my goodness, how much more evidence from God do you need than all of that? And yet God came knocking and um, reminded me again of, of teaching. And so I said no to that opportunity, which made some people upset and ended up working for a local uh, college, now university called Bethel University here in town and fell in love with being a professor of a small Christian university, playing intramural sports, uh, ping pong with theological conversations, and really challenging Christians with psychology. And what many of them thought were the enemy, the, the enemy, psychology is the enemy, and science in general, and that I love that. And yet, at the end of that journey, seven years in, I was starting to look at becoming a college president and um, thinking that's what God had. I started a non-for-profit in that time as well in the summertime, which was doing really well. And God called me into full-time ministry on my way in to work one day, in which my response was, unfortunately, my response was, I'm glad you're catching up with me, God. That's what I'm doing, hmm. which is a bit of a prideful response. Um, I admit that. But I was confused. Like, that's what I'm doing. Uh, collegiate Christian education. I was mentoring students. I, I mean, mm. but through some prayer and fasting and actually a, a small revival at the university that I've been praying for literally four years, it really felt like, okay, my, my time here is done. I'm supposed to move off into this position that I had no experience in. Um, we've been involved with the local church for about a decade at that point, And I had volunteered everywhere, but in kids ministry. And I had no interest in kids ministry. I just had a bunch of kids. I didn't have any interest there. And so I quickly said no to them when they offered me a job. And my wife, who is so lovely in so many ways, reminded me that I should probably pray about it. <laughs> and I woke up with a sick feeling in my stomach, which I had felt before multiple times um, from that spiritual retreat, a senior in college to turning down Ohio State to I, I knew the feeling. And uh, I end up saying yes to this uh, director of Granger Kids, this the kids ministry. And we were a large church, our large church um, running about, I mean, at at that time, 800 to 1,000 kids every weekend, maybe a little more on Easter and some of those things. And there was a lot that needed to happen within the leadership circles of the ministry. There was, unfortunately, so, dysfunction. So, Ted, before we get into that, is there a, a point, at, you know, I've known you for, you know, a year or two now. Uh, we're, we're part of the covenant group, so you really get to know people quickly in, in those yeah. kind of intense situations. But you're a guy who, who's very gifted intellectually. You're gifted as a communicator. I mean, you've got a lot of gifts. You know, you could have done anything. I mean, maybe not play country music in Nashville, but, but you could have done almost anything. Do you think there are times when, when really gifted people, really intelligent people, maybe it's a little tougher to find God's calling because you could do so many things? Or do you think... In your case, it, it sounds like you just took a step at a time and, and just saw where God wanted you to go. 
are there times when having a lot of gifts makes it more difficult to hear God? You know, that's a great question. Um, the way I would communicate it is I think when you are able to accrue and achieve lots of knowledge of good and evil, that tree becomes a little bit more enticing. Hmm. It's harder to look away uh, to the tree of life because you, you see all the fruit on this, on this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that, that I'm aware of that I've gained, or at least I've thought I've gained that I've surpassed other people. And um, it's just, the fruit looks a little bit more beautiful. You believe it'll make you a little bit more wise. I mean, just all the same sort of state. I think it becomes really enticing. It's not a surprise to me that it was so, so the poor and the lonely and the outcast that came to Jesus so quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> their understanding of there's no way I can do this on my own, where when people are gifted in certain ways that happen to work in the way that this world is currently being run, when it works like that, it is, I believe, more challenging to decide to rely on God instead of your own gifting, especially when everyone else is telling you how awesome you are and how much you can do and how great you are, or they're upset because they wish they could do what, what you can do and you're turning it down. Mm. Right. That really <laughs> makes them mad. Well, sure. How they take that personally, later. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Personally insulting to them. <laughs> you're walking away yeah. from my dream. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's insulting. Now, yes. Ted, so here you have a career trajectory that's sort of in front of you. You've got multiple options within that in a genre. A position comes open at your church that you have no real experience in nor interest in yeah, other no. than your own personal interest in having sure. children of your own. And, yes. and God says, say yes. So in a sense, you leave everything you've achieved behind to start something new, at least on a vocational sense. And you walk into a few problems, right? Yeah. And it was one of the final tests for me, especially with financial security, uh, which I know saying yes to ministry jobs in general might be a test of financial security. Sure. But for me, walking away from all of my six children, having free private college education, mm. oh, walking yeah. away from summers off, four months off with my family, walking away from a fairly lucrative situation with nothing but upside. It was the final test for me. I, God literally made me, not made me, God literally had me make a decision before I knew what my financial compensation was going to be. And I knew it was a test. And so I step into this situation and that really was my, I would say my full surrender point of vocation. I'd already been through about four careers at that point. And that's when I threw my hands up and go, okay, I know I could just, I know I could do anything. I know I could make it. It's God, I want to do exactly what you want me to do. And so I step in, there's a moral failure within our church within the next few months. I start getting all these different responsibilities and the, the next nine years becomes one of the best practicums anyone could ever imagine. As I oversee quite a few of the ministries of the church, also going through seminary, 
so I get my uh, Masters of Divinity during that time from Moody Bible. Um, and, and I get to build relationships with the church that I will eventually lead. I became executive pastor eventually. And then we enter into a, our tragic situation of our founding pastor um, going from not being sick at all to stage four pancreatic cancer. And we don't see him in the office again, mm. suddenly. Um, and all that ensues over the next eight months, including the denomination leaving, him leaving, um, lead pastor search, COVID starts, and then everything going on with that year with the political situation in 2020 and, and, and social injustice, all the things that happened um, became a time of great transition, great opportunity for me, who, as I look back over my life, God has always put me, whether I wanted to or not, God's always put me in places of reconciliation. He's always put me in places of transition, of crisis. He's always had me in places to navigate significant change pretty much right away when I step into an organization or step into a situation. And one of the things I've learned is that the trust that I want to have with people, which is the foundation of all authority, is trust, um, a trusted relationship. The trust that I want, it can be exponentially grown or exponentially broken during crisis, during change. And what God has guided me to over and over is that trust that would have taken a decade to build, he has been able to grow over the course of months or a year, year and a half, just because people are more willing to follow when they don't know their way. And if a leader is able to lead when people actually are looking to follow, amazing trust can be built. Unfortunately, within the church, many times a leader is wanting to lead when no one really wants to follow. They don't feel like they need to. They're not desperate enough. But in times of crisis, in times of change, that potential is off the charts if you can navigate it well. Ted, I'm curious. Um... It is interesting to hear about that accelerated change in work the Holy Spirit did there. When you were talking about the chaos that went that happened over those months, senior pastor gone, COVID, lead pastor search, what's going on within you? Are you steady? Are you saying, okay, God, I know I'm prepared for this moment. Obviously, you're a candidate for that lead pastor. I'm assuming they lo they're looking for other lead pastors as well. How did you stay steady and see yourself through? I um I cannot give enough credit to the Holy Spirit and to my wife. Um there were things that were very confusing to me during the time. I didn't understand a lot of why. I didn't understand some of the process. And yet um I think over a lot of the changes and the things that so many times God has called me to jump in the past, jump. I mean, there were, there were about four other jobs in Milwaukee. I'd even talked to you guys about that. He just said, jump into this, jump into this. And um, my confidence of God's future faithfulness is based on his faithfulness in the past. It's straight up the David model. When he's talking to Saul, his entire argument mm. was, well, there's a bear one time. There's a lion. He said nothing <laughs> about the giant. He said nothing about his slinging ability. His entire confidence was based on the past faithfulness of his God. And that is that is the point that I came to. 
is I am completely confident in this outcome being God's will, whatever it's going to be. Mm. And then I was completely confident of the things that I needed to do to keep my soul in a healthy place. For instance, praying blessing over the other candidates every day. So I wouldn't be upset at them or competitive with them or none of that unrighteousness would enter into my heart because I knew however long this process took, if I become an unrighteous leader in that time, then God should not give it to me. I should never have it. It should not be a seat that I deserve. And so there is a confidence in God's will being done. And there is a confidence on what I needed to do for my own personal holiness during that time. And those are the two things that I wrote. Those two things are the things I focused on the work that need to be done as this direct, as this leadership team that I was on at the time, uh, seven of us, we had to agree on everything for seven months. We had to agree on everything before anything can move forward, which in of itself is an, a wonder of the world. Um, and so it was, focus on the obedience each and every day. And, and that's really what honed in me this, the simplicity that I see Jesus doing. I mean, he's life incarnate. Every single step that he took, I mean, I don't know if you've been to the Holy Land or not, but it's, it's nothing. It's dirt. It's, I mean, it's stone. It, it's, it's a wasteland, it feels like. Every step that Jesus took was he telling flowers not to grow. No, stay, stay down, stay down, stay down, stay down. <laughs> you know, I, or the complexity of where is he going to go or why only this guy after 38 years and not all the other people at the pools and all this stuff. And it dawned on me during some of those months, what if Jesus actually only made one decision every day? And that is simply to listen and obey, to not do anything he didn't see the father doing, just simply to be a complete state of receiving, of reception. And there's a beauty and a simplicity to that. And that's really that really became a core of kind of how I operate in life now is I am committing to the best of my ability with God's help to simply listen and obey and leave the consequences up to him, which sounds really cheesy and really kind of simple. Uh, I still love planning all that stuff, but I want to be so interruptible all the time by him. So Ted, here you are. Uh, you've never been a senior pastor of a church before. You are suddenly the senior pastor of, uh, of one of the true mega churches in, in America, coming off of some uh, really devastating things with a senior pastor who, who dies suddenly. Uh, you've had a lot of challenges there. As you, as you get in that seat, uh, how have you had to learn to trust in God in different ways? Uh, how has it been different once you get in that seat or has it yeah i don't it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel that different um to me because i had no intention of filling anyone's shoes i had a a very clear call that god was choosing me to be me mm -hmm. in this situation and i also realized david had never been king Moses had never been a, that's right. Moses had never led anyone out of the wilderness before. Joseph had never done the things that he did. Mary had never born the son of God before. I mean, the disciples had never been disciples before. 
most of the calls, whether it's judges in the Old Testament or people, who, they hadn't done it before. And in some way, I believe some of that's the secret sauce. Like they had, you always have choices, but they made the sacred choice to admit, I don't know what I'm doing. God, you go ahead and lead. I'll follow. And then you have someone like Paul who thinks he knows what he's doing. And guy goes, hey, yeah, I'm going to put you in a state of complete dependency because that a, a state of complete dependency seems to be the strongest place to be. Uh, um, and so I would say without some of my previous experiences in my life, it, it might have uh, felt different. And maybe I'm a little hard headed. So God had to do a lot of them for me just to just to trust him in that way. But it uh, it hasn't felt as far as my interaction and my decision making process and how I lead a team, all that has been growing over the last decade or two decades. And and I haven't done anything radically different in this particular position. It's just now I have a broader impact and influence that goes with that. And I have I have to exercise self-control to allow others to have significant authority. So the biggest change is coming from a, a director, a ministry level director, to a leader of leaders, to the leader, right, is are you able to truly hand keys off to people, even if it wouldn't be as good as if you did it <laughs> in your own mind? But the value of empowerment, the value of team, the value of some of these things that you see, I mean, I, I just, I can't get over the fact as soon as Jesus allowed any of his disciples to do anything, it was going to be worse than if Jesus could have done it himself from, from the very beginning. Absolutely. There was absolutely no hope that they would ever be as good as him. And yet he still gave keys away. He, really he still empowered others. And so it's heart wrenching sometimes to empower someone and that ends up hurting someone else. Um, and yet I still very much believe in that as a leader, um, responsibly, of course. But as far as the daily, uh, I, I'm kind of one guy wherever I am. So it doesn't bother me that people recognize me everywhere I go around here. It doesn't bother my kids. I mean, it's just, that's, that kind of comes with the territory. That's not new. I know for some people that all of a sudden is new. People have always been upset at things that I do. So the fact that <laughs> people are upset at things that I do, that doesn't, that's not that different. There's always people that, that it's the best thing ever. I mean, that, that's just, sure. that's something that I've been involved with for quite some time. There's, there's not a lot, I would say not a lot of differences. Well, Ted, it's real clear to me that you see the aggregate journey you have been on as God's preparation oh, yeah. for what God has called you to do now. And I think it's really something important for our listeners to get in touch with. You, you may not be doing what you feel like you're going to do, but sometimes God's just preparing you yeah. for something ahead. And you may not have any idea what that's going to be. Yeah, every step along the way has been preparation. I don't, I don't believe God wastes anything. And I get the question all the time: When did you, when did you want to be a senior pastor? When was that a goal? And I said, never. It was actually never. It was never part of the plan. 
five plans ago. I mean, it, it was never, <laughs> I had so many plans and senior pastor was never in any of them. Um, and so how is your call to ministry? And I, you know, I, seminary students call me up and ask me those questions and I really got to frustrate them because it's just not a straight answer. It just keeps coming back to, well, I just did the next thing that he wanted me to do. Right. Yeah. And that yeah. step took me to another step. And then this is where I'm at. <laughs> which i know for especially those goal-oriented achievement-oriented people right. it's gonna be really frustrating but and i was a lot that way uh a while ago but that's yeah it's just one step of obedience just consistent obedience in the same direction is is where i am right now but, that's, well, that's you, how you i got s- here you stayed in communion with god i mean that's yeah. when i when i hear you're driving somewhere and then suddenly the Lord's calling you to, you know, full-time ministry, if you will. Um, that just shows someone who is really being what the Bible talks about, disciple, and staying in communion with God. And I think that's beautiful. Well, because the thing is with me is uh, part of my personality. I There's not much I don't enjoy. I will make the best of and find joy, and we're going to have a great time no matter what. So it, it's not by the normal standards of, well, when you when you really don't like your job, you should get out. Or when, you, when you're not being successful at it, you should get out. It was in every situation. I've loved it. I was doing well. I had a plan for the future. And God's like, <laughs> so it, it just kept coming back to, I have to change. I have to change the operating system. It's not a particular software on the operating system. It's not a new app. On the same operating system, I have to change the operating system. I, I have to have a different foundation of how I operate each and every day. Ted, as we segue uh, toward closing and, and land in this plane, uh, one of the things that eventually became the Foundry Network, and and there's you know a lot of talk about the Foundry Network being a uh, a place where independent churches can can connect and all that. But before that, it started with five pastors uh, in a really cool part of the mountains of Georgia. And I thought what really happened with you and me and the three other pastors is, is God just sort of began a process of knitting our hearts together. And, and, and just some people use the word accountability group. I don't know what to call it, but I do feel like that that you particularly, because I didn't get the feeling you'd been in a lot of these kind of groups, certainly not with other senior pastors. Uh, can you tell our audience, how has being a part of an ongoing group, uh, an accountability group, if you will, how's that impacted your Christian life? Particularly, you're the youngest, second youngest guy in there. Has that been a value added for you? Yes, absolutely. Um, a couple of things that come to my mind is I've not had an overwhelming number of examples of people older than me that I want to follow in their footsteps or that I'm like, wow, yeah, I really, I like what they've done with their life and how they followed God and how they've stayed true. I know they're not perfect, but I would say one of the things that it has done is it's inspired me that people can actually make it. Now, I know, Shane, you're just a couple years older than me. Just a couple. But, but honestly, uh, you inspire me that I, I could actually do this for 20 years or 30 years. Because I just, I mean, you hear a lot more these days of people not making it. Right. 
And so just that there's evidence of God's faithfulness and people's commitment to personal holiness and, and listening to God and obeying him, like the things that probably most pastors start out believing and wanting um, that, that people actually can make it. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't still things to learn and grow sure. and doesn't mean you're perfect, but honestly, that's a huge part of it. Another part of it is I, I feel like I, uh, I have a camaraderie group that I can be myself in, I can joke with. Um, obviously, with you guys, I can actually learn about baseball, which I, you know, whatever uh, for me. Um, I can try to enlighten you guys about soccer, the, the true world game, um, even though you dismissed it entirely. Um, I mean, but we get to, we can have some fun camaraderie. We can be normal people. We can encourage each other. We can pray for each other. All of those things sitting in a seat that is unusual. I'm not saying it's better than other seats, but there are certain things that that principals of high schools can talk about with each other that, that you can't talk about. And there's something special about being able to assume a handful of things about the other people in the room and to have some shared experiences and to be able to laugh about it, cry about it, pray about it, strategize about it, and then let's go take the hill again. Yeah. And, and that is very encouraging to me. It's inspiring. It's invigorating. Um, the fact that you even allow me to project my ideas into things, even though I've been a senior pastor for like never, I mean, but you guys still listen to me, uh, that sort of thing. Um, all of that is, it brings me a lot of hope. Um, and I also feel like when we get to certain theological issues or certain things like that, I have a place I can go where I can be vulnerable, but not exposed because so much of our life as a senior pastor, if we're vulnerable, we are inevitably exposed and to be able to be in a place where you're vulnerable, but not exposed is true golden. I mean, it's, it's just true gold. And I, and I believe we've had some of those moments. I think we'll have more of those moments where we're like, Hey guys, I don't know what to do about this. And I can be vulnerable and we can talk, we can really talk about it. And yet um, I'm not exposed. Ted, for me, you and our friendship has also offered me hope. One of the things, a lot of us baby boomer pastors who either started or have helped transition churches that have become very, very large congregations. One of the things we talked about for years is who's going to take our place. Right. And uh, you don't want to spend your life uh, building something that's incredibly important that you feel God has put on your heart, only to see the whole thing blow to crap when you retire. I mean, nobody wants to do that. And when I meet you, frankly, when I meet people like Mike here, it gives me hope for the future that God is calling gifted uh, people with, with hearts to serve that, aren't will, that, that are willing to roll up their sleeves and work hard and are mm -hmm. humble and, and able to, to learn and, and have so much to offer. So I can tell you that our friendship has also given me great hope that long after people have forgotten who I am, other than they might see the statue I have erected at my retirement out back. But other than that, gold, gold head, gold head, silver chest plate, and all right. bronze, like, yeah, pigeons, perfect. live pigeons on my shoulder, leaving souvenirs, <laughs> that type of thing, Ted. 
But long after people have forgotten who I am, my hope is that the ministry of Jesus Christ at Christ mm-hmm. Church will be more effective than ever. And seeing God call pastors like you, like Mike, and so many others gives me great hope for the future. And it inspires me to, to finish well and to yeah. run hard uh, until the very end. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. Ted, it's been an honor to speak with you. Uh, before we close, uh, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, yes. I know our audience would love to be praying with you as well. How can Shane and I and our audience be praying for you right now? Thank you for that. Um, honestly, I that my faith would grow stronger, that my marriage would grow stronger, mm. um, that my ability to hear and see God would would become clearer and that my that truly my my heart would become more courageous and i play pray for you right now that'd be great thank you let's, let's pray father we thank you so much for ted we thank you god for him sharing of your faithfulness over his life we thank you lord what i hear is a man who's just diving into a relationship with you and with others we thank you god for those times in his journey where everything was going according to plan until it wasn't, until you called him, until you invited him into this humility. We thank you, God, that you poured something into him that says, I need to stop and listen for you. So God, what he prays is now is not for more ministry numbers or anything like that. He really seeks you and more of you in his life. And not in just some vertical way that forgets the people around him, He wants to know you and the power of you and those who surround him, those dear relationships. So we pray a blessing over him, his wife, his children, all those people that surround him in his life, the people, God, you've called him to lead and pastor. And we pray, God, that even brighter days are ahead for Ted, his family, and Granger because of the power that is found through Christ. We pray this through Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Thanks Thank for hanging God. out with us, Ted. Yeah, man. See you soon, uh, Mike. Yes. Nice to meet you again and uh, looking forward to more conversations. Definitely. You think a handshake and what next time? I don't know. I, I didn't know if a holy kiss would be too much. Yeah. Maybe maybe a high five. Oh, high five. Oh, is that is that the appropriate next step? Okay. High five. Yeah, okay. That yeah. might be clearly, nice. clearly Cardinal fans here. Clearly, you don't want to you don't want to move too fast. Yeah. Well, Mike's actually a Cubs fan. Oh, hey, okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. It's another right. the evidence of the faithfulness of God being here in the metro east of St. Louis. Yeah. Being a Cubs fan. And I'll sometimes say to Mike, does it bother you at all that you're a Cubs fan and I'm a Cardinals fan and I still know more about the Cubs than you do? And it doesn't seem to bother him too bad, Ted. No, not I think at all. You know more about, I think you know more about most teams than the average baseball fan. I would say you're teams. probably correct yeah. there. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Hey, Ted, I didn't, and I'll put this in the post, uh, uh, the post. Uh, any way, if someone wants to get in contact with you or hear more from you, where would they go? Or any books or anything you're pushing, uh, anything you want people to do as a result of our interview? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't really have any books. Um, if they're interested in the church, go to grangerchurch.com. Got it. And they Got can it. find my email address. They can find, you know, info yeah. at Granger. 
Yeah. They just go to the website though. They can see the vision. They can see really what we're doing. And that might help them even in their question. They, their questions might be answered on there or if they want to get a hold of me, uh, we can figure that out from through the website. It's great. Yeah. What we're really trying to do is steer psycho stalker types. Your way. Right. Yeah, thank we're you. trying to swing them your way, Ted. No yeah. need to thank us. Yeah. <laughs> see you, dude. Hey. All right. See you guys. Take care. All right. We want to thank Ted for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Ted or about his church, Granger Community Church, make sure you go to grangerchurch.com. Well, thank you for joining us. And remember, keep the change. Thank you.